if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 8. We've been talking about, uh, in the bigger picture, about being equipped as saints, an, an army of ministers that God is raising up. We've been talking about growing in the supernatural, in the spirit. Uh, and in light of that, more specifically about healing, a biblical view of healing, uh, as it is a confirmation of the gospel and what God is doing. And so we've been talking about those things. We start off with this section on healing with God's a healer, Exodus 15, 26, where he says, I'm the God who heals. You know that. Then we start talking about ingredients. I told you that there's four ingredients for the supernatural. Presence of God, faith, relationship, and obedience. And we're going to get to the other last two of those in a few weeks. But today we get to deal with faith. And so it's always a, a wonderful thing. I, I'm excited about it. But can I ask you this? Can I ask you to, uh, this morning, put aside for a moment anything you've heard about faith? See, because when you talk about faith, everyone's heard about faith, and everyone just jumps to the end, and I know this, and I don't need to, uh, to hear. Or you run ahead in the argument and say, he's going to say this. And I might not. Or I say something a little bit different, and you're auto automatically trying to correct me. Uh, you can do that afterwards. <laughs> you can correct me. <laughs> But uh, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just recognize we need you. You're the one who leads us in truth. And we just open our hearts to you. Would you speak to us today? Lord, we realize that there's so much that you're doing, so much that you've already done. But we simply say, continue in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I get in the word, I want to tell you about a guy I knew at a church a long time ago. He was a, very much a literalist. And one day he was sitting in the chair before church and somebody came in and said to him, pointing to the chair next to him, said, is that chair saved? He said, who, who am I to judge? <laughs> okay, moving back to the Bible. It, it, it didn't get any funnier. If you, if, you, if you laugh in 10 minutes, do it quietly. Matthew chapter 8, there's hundreds of verses in the Bible about faith. Uh, we're not going to read all of them, just 99%. And verse 10 of Matthew 8, when Jesus heard, he's talking about the centurion. He marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Very first mention in the, the Gospel of Matthew about faith. He's been preaching the, the Gospel. He's been healing people. He's been doing all kinds of things. Uh, and then he he's marvels at this guy's faith who basically says, you have authority. And then in verse 26 of that chapter, he's in the boat asleep, calms the storm. We heard earlier. Uh, and... The, the disciples say, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Are you of little faith? And he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
So the first couple of times, Jesus is astounded at some guy's great faith, and he's astounded, astonished at the disciples' little faith. Over in chapter 9, verse 22, uh, the story of the woman who touches his garment with the flow of issue of blood, and verse 22, Jesus turned around and he saw her and said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. We saw last week or the week before, whatever it was, Luke chapter 8, verse 48, the same thing, where she touches Jesus and he feels the power go out from him. We recognize that the power was in Jesus, not in faith. But there's something of faith that activated that. John chapter 14. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What's that about faith? It's the exact same word. Really? Mark chapter 11. Verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Believe in God. So it seems that faith is fairly important. Jesus seems to respond to faith, but the question is, what is faith? What is faith? This important thing, I'm glad you asked. But the, uh, the, the basic Greek word, pestis, literally means to believe. Believing, trusting, conviction. Confidence. But what we see is that faith has an object, a focus. It's believing something. It's believing someone. It's not just believing, believing. If Tim tells me something, I believe Tim. Or I don't believe Tim. But then I could say I have faith or confidence in Tim, right? When we understand that, we understand that faith is not a force in itself. What does that mean? It's not I believe in believing. I have faith in faith. I have confidence in confidence. I've got confidence in confidence alone. No. <laughs> you guys should have never encouraged me a couple weeks ago about singing. Very simply, faith is believing. I don't know how many of you learned the little song when you were a kid. I used to go to a good news club because my mom led it. It was in our home. I had to. But the little song, faith is just believing what God says he will do. And you won't now. <laughs> so where does faith come from? If, if, if this believing is so important, where does it come from? I'm glad you asked that one. Uh, someone once said to me a number of years ago, a friend of mine, we were working out and he said, you know, faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. 
which sounds really good, except it's not in the Bible. None of you have ever heard that, have you? What is it? Four things that I see in the Bible, and I want to share them with you. And then after that, I'll give you three conclusions from that. So if you're a note taker, you've got four things, and then later on, three conclusions. First is uh, Romans 12.3. And he's talking about not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, but thinking with sound mind as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now that's kind of hard to understand, but if you actually get into that, he's saying thinking soundly, not thinking highly, more highly, because each one has a measure of faith given by God. It's, it's dealt with, it's given by God. So whatever happens, it's not credit to you anyway. That word measure isn't a measurement of how much faith you have. It's like when you have a certain amount, like a, a liter of seeds or something, and you pour it into someone else's container. You come, you get a full measure. So you get that, a measure of faith. What does that mean? It means this. We can all believe. Duh. Wow, this is profound. Glad you came this morning. You can believe. The question isn't can you believe, the question is what do you believe? Sometimes we think we can't. Sometimes we think we don't have enough. We're gonna to get to that later on. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God gives everyone faith, but then there's faith that comes by hearing the word of God. Okay, that word is rhema, but I wanna look at three things that happen underneath that. Okay, hearing the word, when we read the word, when we study the word, not just hearers, but doers, we have a great understanding of who God is. We know him more, and therefore we can trust him more. We can believe more. The more I know Tim and his character, the more I can trust him. Someone else might tell me something, but I don't really know them. So I'd like to believe them, but maybe there's a little bit of, I'm just not sure. But the more I know them, the more confidence I can have, the more trust. That's believing. It's faith. It comes by understanding who God is. Heavens are the highest. Heavens can't contain him. He's that great. He's committed to covenant. He loves us. The more we know about him, the more we can trust him to do what he says he'll do. But not just that. There's also testimony. When people talk about what God has done, it builds faith. When we hear God using someone and we share what God has done, there's something of saying, yes, God, you can do that. You can do it again. So it builds faith. But then thirdly, there is God speaking to us, Rhema. When God says something, and faith comes, rises up in our hearts because God said it. 
Now that might be God speaking into our hearts. It might be a word of knowledge as we gather together, but something happens and our ability to believe rises. A number of years ago, when we first moved to Australia, my mom, uh, before she came, she was gonna come visit, but a number of months before she came, she was cleaning the oven and got oven cleaner in her eyes and uh, had a, a obviously damage to her eyes and had to go to the eye doctor and you know, over a number of months, what bottom line is that she ended up with some permanent damage in her eyes and she had to get new glasses that were much stronger than the ones she originally had. And uh, I mean, not life-threatening, no big deal. But she, as she's on the plane coming to visit us in Australia, she felt like God said to her on the plane, I'm going to heal your eyes in Australia. So she kind of had, okay. The very first service church gathering she was in, somebody had a word of knowledge about God healing eyes. She just jumped up out of her chair and ran to the front. That's me. God told me he's going to heal my eyes. And God touched her and healed her eyes. Right back to where they were before the oven cleaner. God, you're healing. So, so when she went home, she eventually had to go back to the eye doctor because this is a number of months later. She's thrown away her old glasses to get new glasses and her own prescription. We're going to talk about that a few weeks from now. Point being that God spoke to her and the word of knowledge activated that and something happened. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's another one, 1 Corinthians 12. One of the manifestations of the spirit, verse nine is faith. Supernatural faith. That God can actually just give us. God gives us faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. And God can give us faith. And then one more, Hebrews chapter 10. Turn there. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 36. Actually, 35 is where this section starts. Can I give you a hint here? The uh, chapters and verses in the Bible were not there in the original. They were added later on by publishers to make it easier to find things. And it's wonderful that they are. But you have to be careful that you think sometimes a new chapter is a new subject. This time it isn't, and it's not helpful. It's actually harmful. So it says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You have need of endurance. This is the introduction to what goes on to uh, Hebrews 12.3. And the focus is you have need of endurance. Yet a little while, he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, and anyone who draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or destruction, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. We are those who have faith to the saving of the soul. It's the same word. Now faith, 
is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence or conviction of things not seen. It's right in the middle. It's a, that word now, I'm going to get pedantic here. Word now in Greek is a participle, and it's a connecting word. It's like and. We're not those who draw back, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, believing is, and believing is, why am I saying that? Because if you take it out of the, the chapter headings, I've heard people preach now, faith is the understanding, faith is now, faith is present. The, the English word now has a time factor in part of it. It's also a connector, but it also has a time factor. The Greek participle has no time factor. It just means and. So I've heard people actually take this, start there and say, faith is now. Doesn't say that at all. Faith is and. Faith is moreover. It means absolutely nothing. It's actually saying, Believing is the substance of things hoped for and the confidence of things not seen. If you have your Bible, if you take notes, put a little note next to things not seen. Because that's really what this is about. You're going to see. Verse 3, by, by faith. I'm going to actually change that to believing because that's what it means. Just to see, show you how simple it is. By believing, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. They're made of things which aren't visible. Verse 6. Without believing, it's impossible to please him, for he, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Duh! And there's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Verse 7, by believing, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Bottom line is he obeyed. Verse 8, by believing, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 13, these all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed them with strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 20, by believing, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Verse 24, by believing, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward, key. He looked to the reward. By believing, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he, be- he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured, you have need of endurance as seeing, by seeing him who is invisible. That makes no sense. How do you see what's invisible? By believing. And then it goes on. 
By believing, the walls of Jericho fell down. By believing, Rahab did not perish. Those who, believing, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness. All these things that happened, all these people around us, and then verse, chapter 12, all part of the same thing. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Witnesses are the people he just referred to. Abraham, Noah, Joseph. It's not people standing around the balcony of heaven looking over, cheering us on. As you might have heard preached. It's, not, it's talking about these who were here we're surrounded by these. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher, the founder and the completer, the beginning and the end of faith. Looking to Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. We have need of endurance. The way we endure is believing, and believing is looking at Jesus. I get excited, so sometimes I yell, so just... Have patience for me. What do we see? Faith comes from knowing him. Faith comes from hearing him. And faith comes from seeing him. Knowing who he is. Hearing what he says. And seeing what he's doing, who he is. Sounds familiar you go back and read John chapter 5, verse 19 and verse 30, Jesus says, I only do what I hear the Father saying. Verse 30, I only do what I see the Father doing. Fixing our eyes on him. Three conclusions, and I'll be finished sometime. Conclusion number one, you already have faith. You have faith already. The Bible says God's given you, each one, a measure of faith. You have enough faith to do anything he asks you to do. You have enough faith to obey. What did Cindy do? She simply obeyed the Holy Spirit. Did Cindy have enough faith to heal the, the child in the womb of that woman? Of course not. She had enough faith to obey Jesus. She didn't even know what she was praying for when God said, go pray for her. See, sometimes we get this idea that faith is like money and if I have some, I can buy supernatural things from God. If I have a little bit, I can buy healing for a headache. But if I have a lot, I can buy healing for cancer. 
or someone who can't walk. And the focus gets on how much we have. And the reality is, it's not about that at all. You have enough faith. We need to change the way we think and the way we talk. When Jesus asks you to do something, don't ever say, I don't have enough faith for that. Say, I have enough faith for that. I can do that. What can I do? I can obey Jesus. Do I have enough faith to heal someone? Heck no. But I have enough faith to obey because Jesus is the healer. I'm not the healer anyway. The danger is that we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto ourselves. Do I have enough? And my whole, how can I pray for someone when I'm not feeling well myself? That was the first conclusion. <laughs> Everyone smile, take a deep breath. Let your language be this. I have faith for that. What do I have faith by? I have faith to obey Jesus. Second conclusion, if you want more faith, focus on Jesus, not on faith. Get to know him more. It's almost as if when we understand the Bible, faith is a byproduct of relationship with Jesus. The more I know him, the more I can trust him, the more I can believe him, and therefore that's called faith, the more faith I have. Yet what happens is that we get our eyes off of Jesus and we get it on faith, we get it on ourselves, and then pretty soon we're actually losing. Faith is a byproduct. Why was Jesus astounded? astonished at the centurion's great faith because he didn't know Jesus. What he knew was authority. Why was he astonished at the disciples' little faith? Because they knew Jesus. They got their focus on the storm and not on Jesus. He actually says, oh, you have little faith. That word is ogliopestis, which means undeveloped, puny faith. It's not unbelief. It's that they didn't have the ability to keep their focus, the gaze of their soul, on Jesus. So Peter, Jesus comes in the storm, walking at night in the, uh, to, the, to the boat. They're in the boat. They see him. They think it's a ghost. Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, come. So what does Peter do? He hops out of the boat. Why? Because he saw Jesus and he heard Jesus. And he got out of the boat in obedience and he came. And as he's going, what happens? It says he's seeing the wind and the waves, he began to sink. What happened? He got his eyes off of Jesus and onto the circumstances. He's walking along, the guy's walking on water in a storm. That's just absolutely amazing. And then he, his eyes get off of Jesus onto the waves 
and he begins to seek. And what does he do? He cries out to Jesus. Duh! Jesus lifts him up, and then he says, Oh, you have little faith. Undeveloped faith. He doesn't say it to the 11 guys in the boat. I always thought that was unfair. Why are you saying this to Peter? Why not to them? They never got out of the boat because Jesus didn't tell them to get out of the boat. Yet we think in the idea of currency, money, what happened? Did Peter finally run out of money? He's using up his faith as he's walking on the water and then he runs out of money. Oh no, can't pay this bill. No, he just got the wrong idea altogether. What happened is he got his focus off of Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, and got it under the circumstances that he began to go under. And how did he get saved? He turned back and said, Jesus. And Jesus lifted him. Third conclusion, and I've gone over time already. Third conclusion, authority is as important, if not more important, than faith. You're going, where did that come from? Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Verse 1, he called the 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse six, so they departed and went through the town, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus gave them authority, but he didn't give them faith. Here are the guys who he's discipled. He's now sending them to preach the gospel and he tells them, heal the sick and cast out demons. And he doesn't say, I give you faith to do that. Why? Because they knew Jesus. They already had faith. What they needed was authority. You have enough faith. And if perchance God asks you to do something that is beyond your ability, his Holy Spirit can give you a supernatural manifestation of faith. Why do we get so concerned about faith? We're going to talk about authority in a few weeks. That was the teaser. It says, as important, if not more important, that we understand. Let me ask you if you bow your head. How do you respond to this? Very simple. Have you got your eyes off of Jesus and onto yourself? Have you got your eyes off of Jesus and onto the circumstances? Have you got your eyes off of Jesus and onto the storm? Have you got your eyes off of Jesus and onto the problem? The problem is not the problem. The problem is getting your eyes off Jesus. 
So how do you respond? You just turn your eyes back to Jesus. We sang last week, turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, the storms, the difficulties, why is he Lord in the storm? Because our eyes are fixed on him. If our eyes are on the storm, we're in trouble. But if you've got your eyes off of him, then just turn them back. He's the healer. He's the savior. He's the all-powerful one. To him, all authority has been given. And then he incredibly graciously chooses to let us be a part of what he's doing and partner with him. And we think, wow, look at me. No, it's not us. It's him. So if you've got your eyes off of him this morning, will you just turn them back? Why? Because it's so easy. Once we leave here, the cares of the, the day, the things we have to do come in, and it's easy for us not to respond. And then we become hearers of the word and not doers. So I just want to take a moment and say, Lord, we choose to fix our eyes on you. We as individuals, we as a church, why do we focus on Jesus? Because he's the king and the head of the church. He's the bridegroom of the bride. But he's also the author and finisher of faith. That's why we focus on him. We're not Jesus only. We recognize the Trinity. We believe in the love of the Father. We believe in the uh, intimacy of the Holy Spirit. We're about all those things. But our main focus is on Jesus because the Bible's main focus is on Jesus. Lord, but we've got our eyes off of you. We just choose to put them on you again. Lord, for those of us who've believed that we don't have enough faith, would you just set us free from that lie? We have enough faith in you. Where we felt it had to be about what we do or what we've, how much we have, and we've fallen short. Lord, we just speak freedom. We have enough faith to obey everything you ask us to do. Now, Lord, with that, as we leave here, we want to partner with you to see your kingdom advanced. We want to partner with you to see you break in to people's lives. We want to simply be those obedient ones who you say, go pray for that person, but I haven't brushed my teeth yet but do it now. Lord, we want to be those people. And so we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.